Hello and welcome to the Split Real Podcast. I'm Steve Pagnikin. Joining me as always, he's got his tank top shirt on today. It's Gabe Acevedo. Thank God this is not on video. <laughs> Again, this is like one of the continuing things where we try to fulfill the experience for all of our listeners here. Oh, it's immersive? A little bit more, yeah. Oh, okay, good. People listening in 4K. Okay, perfect. Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm good. I sound a little weird today because I'm, I'm really stuffy. I got like fed congestion all weekend. I don't know what it is, but... The weather's been nice, so my nose has not been happy. So if I sound a little different today, that's what it's from. <laughs> I just yeah. super stuffy today, and I don't know why. Maybe you were at Lollapalooza. This is the Delta. Delta, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> the the, no, the Delta not, the Delta Palooza. No, it's funny. I was looking through the the symptoms of COVID. None of them are stuffy nose, and that's all I have. It's just like I can't. Like my nose just keeps like running and getting stuffy. So mm, that's not that's- good times. Good news about that is that I get to see you tomorrow in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. In less than what, like 18 hours, I'll be, I don't know, maybe, maybe more. I don't know. Tomorrow uh, I will be, I'll be in Arizona visiting. 20 hours, 21 hours and 20 out, 20, 21 hours. You'll be in Arizona. And I got you, like I said, before we started recording, I got you the full VIP package. So tomorrow is going to be the, a high of one twelve. It's going to be one nine when you um, land. So, you know, I just wanted you to have the full on desert experience. That's what I'm looking forward to. You know, take care did of you, my home. Did you schedule a, uh, a sandstorm at all? Uh, not yet, but you hopefully the scorpions that I got will be by the stairs when you get in. You couldn't get a hold of Darude for that one? I couldn't. Do you get, do you get the reference? I do get the reference. Nice, and I hate nice you so deep much. cut to... Uh... The finished recording artist Da Root, who recorded the <laughs> 1999 hit Sandstorm. <laughs> and thank you for coming to this week's podcast. <laughs> it's good. That's a good song. That's a good song, but nobody's going to get that reference. Ah, someone will. We're One cool. of our 18 listeners will get it. <laughs> if you do, if you do, send a special message. I, I'll appreciate it a lot. Comment <laughs> on the podcast and let us know if you get that reference. Wherever you like to comment. <laughs> no, no, I'm excited to see you again. It'll be nice to see you after not seeing you for a year. I'm going to see you twice within three months. So that's good. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It'll be a good time to get away for a little bit, spend some time out there and some time in California. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Good times. And, and go to trivia because we're going to trivia tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You know it. I'm excited. Can't wait for the brown exclusively on flags that you ordered for me, right? I, absolutely. You know me and my vexillology. <laughs> <laughs> if there's Fun a round on flags. I'm going to flip out. I'm so excited. Anyway, that's not why people come here to listen to us. Uh, (laughs) We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk uh, through some headlines. There's a lot of stuff going on right now in the news. And then we're going to talk about The Green Knight, the movie that came out this past weekend from A24 starring Dev Patel. This is a retelling of the, the classic Arthurian tale. We both went and saw this in theaters this weekend. I'm sure that... Not many people out there had, uh, but I, I definitely would recommend going to check it out. But before we get to any of that, we are going to talk about a few headlines. So this week in our headline snapshot, we'll start off with though the box office. I just wanted to talk about this a little bit. Jungle Cruise came in at number one. They made $34 million, which and it got like really, really good reviews. I think that was the other thing that was really interesting. Yeah, got it did. great reviews. Did you did you understand this yet? I did see it. Yes. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. Was it worth yeah. it? Not on the theater, but I saw it on Disney Plus. 
So you're part of the $30 million on Disney Plus. plus I am. Uh, well, I am not part of the $30 million plus, but a friend of mine is part of that $30 million plus. Ah. Uh, See what I did there? Yeah. yeah. You think I'm going to pay? I haven't paid one cent for any movie in Disney Plus. I regrettably have. <laughs> Don't tell me Mulan. It w- I think it was Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. Uh it couldn't be it couldn't have been like what I don't oh. know. What else that like Raya or, or or Luca or whatever. No, we no, saw Raya. We saw Raya in theaters. We went and saw Raya. Oh, you saw it in theaters. theaters? Okay. Yeah, it was Mulan of all movies. Fun time. Oh my God. But back to Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Um I did see it on Disney Plus. Um I loved the movie. I thought yeah. it was super fun. The effects are atrocious. Probably some of the worst <laughs> special visual effects that I've seen in movies in the last decade. Um, but it's a fun, good movie. It is. Have you ever written this ride in the Disney parks or no? I must have written it when I was. Uh, God, I can't think of when I last went to Disney, but probably 20 years ago. Okay. So I love the ride because it's so dumb. You literally just get on a boat. It's an animatronic elephant, like putting yeah. water at you. It's so stupid. But the it's very. This is. Uh, I feel this is Disney's. In a little bit lower version because the effects are so bad. I can't believe effects from 20 years ago were better than this. But I think this is Disney's try at getting at that Pirates era. Um, mm-hmm. When they took, you know, they took that ride and turned it into a franchise. I think this is what they're doing. The movie is super fun. It's, it, it's entertainment. It's a popcorn movie. That's what it is. Emily Blunt and The Rock are fantastic. Their chemistry is fantastic. Jesse Plemons is great. It was super fun. I was a super, super good time and i do recommend everybody to see it because it's what movies are made for just to sit down for two hours and have fun and that's what this movie is yeah i think it's what's interesting about that the the reason i wanted to talk about it really quickly is because it made 30 million dollars 34 million in the box office and it made 30 million on disney plus plus but um i like how they they're again disclosing what what they make on disney plus plus uh, for certain movies, and they're not doing it for other ones. Like they released the first week's numbers of uh, uh, Black Widow, but they didn't release any post follow ups or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting just how they're going to choose to release this. But what I thought was interesting is, despite the fact that it got huge reviews, it was very, very widely touted. You know, obviously, you have these superstars and uh, Dwayne Johnson and uh, Emily Blunt who are starring in this. It was very much hyped only made 34 million dollars in the box office that's about the same as space jam did last week yep. or two weeks ago space jam made 32 and that you know the big obviously they have lebron which is a, a huge absolutely massive star as well but still it didn't do nearly as well as you might have expected so i'm a little bit worried about the box office returns going forward do you think the I mean, I don't know. There's there's probably some hesitancy still. From... Absolutely. Absolutely. Hesitancy Delta. Um, yeah. You know, things are not looking good. <laughs> things are not looking good. Mass mandates are coming back up um, in many places. I just really don't think people are ready to go back to the movie theaters. But I think the streaming is a bigger factor than what people think. Look at the numbers between Disney Plus and box offices. 34 million box office, 30 in Disney Plus. That's only a $4 million difference. That is huge when you compare both of them. That is huge. And I guarantee you that the reason they're not releasing numbers second week out um, when it comes to streaming is because, like me, I saw it from somebody's account. So you know that that's basically where they're going to make. They're not going to make a lot of more money 
on streaming because people are sharing it. Um, people are not ready. And I think the comfort of their homes. Um, and again, I will say this every single time we talk about this. When you have a family of four, five or six, it's cheaper to pay $30 on a streaming service than go spend a hundred in the theaters. Yeah, I mean, that that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their future releases because they're making a lot of money off of this. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with some of the future releases coming up. You know, they have a couple Marvel films coming out this fall, which they said they're not going to do um, Disney Plus Plus releases, but... Mm. They might change that. Who knows? They they've they just breach contracts. Do you all think? Over. Do you think they will? I personally don't think they will. I think they personally hate the streaming service model. But what do you think? Well, they're making money off of it. Do I think you the thing think is, they're it's, making it's money. You look at it. Yeah, they get all the thirty million dollars that they get through Disney Plus Plus. They get that thirty million dollars. The thirty-four million box office. They don't get all that money. A lot of that money goes to the. Uh, the, the retailers, the people who broadcast it, they go to the theaters. You know, some of that, a portion of that money will go to theaters. Probably, I, I don't know exactly what the numbers will be, but it could be some like 25 to 30% of it will go to the theaters. So they're not making $30 million in the box office. The box office is just the ticket sales alone. And I think that like probably of that, maybe 10 million, 15 million will go to the theaters instead of the actual company. So I think that the actual the, the platform is, is going to make them more money. Even when you, you think that even that what you're saying still holds up when you start thinking about families. And by that, I mean like people just paying for it once instead of paying four or five tickets at 10 or $12 a piece or the tickets that are not being paid because of people like me who saw it from an account from a friend I would say so. I'd still think I still think that's the factor. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at a family of four, right, a family of four, they'll pay what fifty dollars for tickets. If say they're twelve dollars, right, mm -hmm. they'll they'll get they'll pay fifty dollars for tickets. Maybe thirty dollars of that is going to the actual company. Twenty dollars goes to the the theaters. The other thirty goes to the company, the movies, right? So with that, I mean, it, it balances perfectly out. You pay thirty dollars for it on Disney Plus Plus, and then you get, you know, the other like thirty. The other 20 goes to theaters. So this way they just make all the revenue. I, I get that they could be losing some of the revenue because of people who are, you know, sharing, sharing the accounts like like you are, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think that's going to be as big of a factor because I think they'll get more people to see their content and they'll get more subscribers to Disney Plus because it's not just the $30. It's the $30 plus the monthly subscription that you're paying as well. So I do think that they'll, they'll maintain that and keep the platform like that. I mean, it's a way to build revenue, continuous revenue, I think is what, what they're going to, why they'll continue to keep doing that and try to get more people onto Disney plus because they're also their like shareholders want to see more growth on the platform as well. That's we'll why see. I think that's why I also think that HBO max is still keeping things like Dune and the Suicide Squad, those movies are still going to HBO Max, despite the fact that they could make tons of money on the on, in the theaters. Plus, they're free on HBO Max. You don't even have to pay mm -hmm. for them. So it's all trying to get more users to the platform. So I think I think they're going to keep maintaining that a little bit. Um, I I don't know if it'll keep going the whole time, but I I think it's just I think things have just changed.
I think we've shifted to the point where you can start getting premium content on your on your phone, on your platform, whatever platform you might be. You know, you can you could stream Fast Nine right now at home. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think that you can. They're going to continue to do this stuff. I think this is the way of the future. I'm not happy about it, but uh, I think it's definitely what's going to continue to happen. We'll see. I, I I won't. I I'm still not ready to go there full on. I think I'll believe it when I see it 100. percent But like you said. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. The mouse is crazy breaking stuff. So let's do let's see what happens. Why don't we talk about that right now then? I mean, <clears throat> the big this. issue with this the big issue with this is uh certainly the, the the big issue from last week was the fact that Scarlett Johansson decided to sue Disney because of the losses that she's occurred from Black Widow. So Black Widow was supposed to come out in an exclusive theatrical release, and then Disney decided, no, we're actually gonna put it out on the platform as well and have it be like premium whatever um and as a result the uh, uh, as far as our understandings of the contract goes i mean we don't we never read saw the contract but it's basically that scarlett johansson was due to get a percentage of the box office revenue which is a which is a thing that's been going on for a long time within different people for actors and in different filmmakers and, and whoever within and especially like blockbusters and a-listers they do that yeah. a lot because they'll get they, more money from box revenue than just a base salary yeah you know rather than getting like a lump 15 million dollars they can make you know 10 percent of the box dollars. office yeah 10 percent of the box office which means that if the movie sucks and they didn't do really well in it then they can lose money you know if it only mm -hmm. makes like 100 million dollars they lose money but if it does really well, they can make a ton of money. And because this was released on Disney Plus Plus, it's it, there was an estimate stated out there that she that she lost potentially fifty million dollars in revenue from the release of this. So she's suing them for that sort of thing because it's a breach of contract. Also, like they said, the movie was going to be released just in theaters, and they were like, "Nah, well, never mind. We're going to change it and make it on both things." What are your thoughts on this? Um, good for her. <laughs> good for her. Um, you know, I am very surprised when this came out and I started reading on it. I was very surprised. Disney had a year to renegotiate contracts with the, with their stars. I'm really surprised that they didn't do that. I would think that Disney Company and the powerhouse lawyers that they must have would be smarter than that. Um, you know, good for her. Um, people are like, oh, you don't need the money. I really don't think it's about the money. Uh, I mean, maybe it is. She really, obviously, we all know she doesn't need the money, but I think it's about the principle of it. Um, I think that this could be huge. I actually don't want it to be settled out of court. I would like to see it full on because I think this could be a very, rem this could be very reminiscent of the 30s and 40s and 50s when studios started suing um um, when um, stars started suing the studios over their contracts, because it was once upon a time that stars would only could only work with specific studios and they started suing like Betty Davis was one of the first people to do this and blah, blah, blah. So I think this has reminiscence um, and little um, inklings of that. Um, we'll see. It's 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 ballsy to take on Disney. Um, it's ballsy for her. Um, her character is dead. So maybe it's not that policy anyway, um, but it's, it's interesting. And I am really, I want to see, because there are rumors or are um, legit like 
rumors out there that Emma Stone and Emily Blunt might be next because apparently their contracts had the same stipulations about Jungle Cruise and Cruella, but they were supposed to be theatrical releases only. So if those A-listers jump on board and do the same thing, I think this could be a shift, a very big shift in how studios start thinking about the theatrical releases and streaming. I mean, it's certainly really interesting because it's these three really powerful women, too, who are stepping out and like saying that our contracts are being breached and we deserve to make it. And like you said, it's not really about the money. These are three of the best actors, I mean, actresses, you know, in in Hollywood today. They're absolutely massive, massive stars, so they can make a ton of a ton of money. But I think it's also more about, like you said, the principle where they have these contracts and the, the thought was if they were men they would have renegotiated these contracts to make them make it right before having any of these issues and people are like well you have to remember the pandemic he's a factor but then you also have to remember this is disney it's disney yep you know the company that bought fox and star you know, wars and they marvel bought, <laughs> they bought abc and espn they're disney it's not some small like it's not like A24 or something like that or, you know, some Blum, small... It's struggling. not A24. It's not a Bloom House. It's not yeah. Monkey Paw from Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah, it's not some small company like that. It's a huge... It's Disney. Yeah. So they, they need to pay up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I think this could be very... It'll be a very huge shift, but we'll see what happens. Good on her. Good on her, and I'm hoping for Emma and, and Blunt to, to jump in and yeah. so as well. I hope it goes well. We probably won't see her again as Black Widow. Not at all. This has the mouse has just sealed her fate. The mouse is gonna snap her fingers, <laughs> and she'll be like, "Here, they'll probably write her a check. Here's your fifty million dollars, and now just disintegrate like you did in the movie." Bye. Be fine by me. You give me like five million dollars, and I'll go away. <laughs> Make a million dollars, and I'll go away. I'll never. I'll. I'll. I'll stop talking about Disney for the rest of my life. Fair. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> We have some other, man, there's so many headlines this week. Man, I'm just, we got a drop yesterday of uh, the Lord of the Rings TV show that's coming out on Amazon. They they released a teaser picture. It's just a picture. That's all it is. It's just a picture. We don't know what it is. We don't know where it is. We don't know who's in it. We don't know anything about it right now, but they released this picture and it got me super excited. <laughs> so you're the, it's a picture we're of both like, are, uh, but you are like the Lord of the Rings fan out of both Oh, I'm of such us. a huge fan. Such a big fan. We have this elven looking guy standing in front of a city that i believe uh, people are because they didn't release any context to this at all but i believe it's linden or in this in the realm of linden which is in the western half of uh middle earth and middle so earth. it's it's really exciting to just see a city and i i, I mean I, I went a little bit on reddit and like they were looking at some of this and like picking it apart like talking about seeing the two trees of Valinor and stuff in it. And it's like, eh, I don't know if that's in it because that's, you know, pre the time period that Amazon has rights to, but mm. we don't need to get in all the nerdiness of it. But I was just really excited about this. How, how excited are you for the Lord of the Rings television show? I'm really, I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, I love that world. I'm really excited for it. I want to see how, I want to see how Lord of the Rings translates to television. Um, I think that's what I want to see. Can it be done? Absolutely. I mean, Game of Thrones exists. I think Game of Thrones has set like the bar for a lot of like medieval-ish kind of stuff um, and fantasy stuff and all that. Um, 
but I'm excited for it. And I just want to see what they're doing. I just want to see where we're heading, what character we're getting, what out of the many arrows of Lord of the Rings, you're more, more, more knowledgeable than I am in this, but what are the many arrows we're getting? What are we, you know, what are we just seeing? But the picture looks good. Um, we still have a more than a year out, but something, something. Yeah. It's the, it's going to be the second age. That's what it's going to be. So it's going to be about like, I don't know, 3000 years before the Lord of the Rings happens. But, uh, so it's going to be the big, be- kind of the beginning of the second age was a really fascinating part of the book uh in the Silmarillion there's a really great part part there that's really fun to talk about the second age and it's at peace at one point but then you have like different elven groups rising up in power and you know the prosperity and you have men the men of uh Numenor who are really powerful and then it's also the the first time that Sauron rises so We'll see if they how they decide to go about that because it'll be really interesting. There's so many different stories they could tell, and like kingdoms rising up and falling. So it'll be really exciting to see what they decide to do with it. But yeah, it's coming out September 2nd of 2022, so we're really excited about it. I mean, they are shooting it in New Zealand, so they're keeping the same backdrop, and yeah, I'm looking forward to that. We'll see. Other things I'm looking, other things I'm looking forward to. We had two other trailers that dropped over the weekend that I was really excited about. The first one was uh, King Richard. This is the Will Smith story about uh, Richard Williams, who's the father of Venus and Serena Williams, the tennis stars. And this trailer just looked awesome. You sent it to me, and the it's just Will Smith going for it. He's going for it. Yep. And it looks so good. What did you think? I thought it looks great. I was really, so I think one of the things I told you, I was really surprised at how accessible the movie looks. I was thinking it was going to be more of a by the numbers, um, which maybe it is, but like by the numbers biographical pick. Um, And it looks really accessible. It looks very uh, like a family film that we get to see. Um, I'm excited for him. Um, I think Will Smith is great. When he wants to be great, I think he's fantastic. I think he's a fantastic dramatic actor. He's in it to win it. He's looking for that Oscar. And I think he's a big contender based on the trailer. We have to see the movie. But based on the trailer, I think he's a great contender for the Oscar. It looks good. It looks good. And I'm happy that he's getting back to form um, after years of a few duds. So I'm excited for that movie. Yeah, he looks so good, and like he's he's working with kids, and he's very good with kids. It seems like mm-hmm. he just seems like someone who works really well with kids. He's so charismatic, and he's using it very well in the trailer. So I I definitely recommend checking out the trailer for that. It definitely looks really really good, and Will Smith is just going for it. And it just looks like you said, accessible is the way to look at it. It's, yeah, it looks very accessible. It's threading the needle between being a drama and being like a family movie, and and I think it's it looks really really good, well done. So definitely check the trailer out for that. The other one that does not look like it's turning the needle between being a family movie. What is a family movie? Because it's kind of about family. It's House of Gucci. Uh, <laughs> this is the other Ridley Scott film uh, that's coming out this year. And it's the, my third, it's the third of the uh, Adam Driver movies that are coming out. The The season of The Driver is coming out. Um, but yeah, The this, season this... of The Driver. <laughs> <laughs> we got three movies with him coming out this year. Oh, Lord. What were your thoughts on this? Oh, you know, you know me. And you know that when this trailer came on and I clicked play and that woman walked out of that door, you know, I was in gay heaven. Um, I loved it. 
Um, as a movie, I think it looks great. I think it has all the ingredients to be a big player um, when it comes to award season. Um, but as a fan, it looks great. It's everything I want. It's everything I need. It's Lady Gaga with her Italian accent, with wigs, with costumes. Um, Gucci, obviously. Um, Jared Leto gave him more weird stuff to do. I'm not particularly a big fan of his, but when he he's crazy, so he'll do anything. I love Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Selma Hayek. I am here for it, and I will say this: I think Gaga is a huge contender for the Oscar for Best Actress. Um, it looks good. It looks good, and I will say this: this movie was made for everybody. But as a gay man, I will say this movie was made for the gays. Gucci and Gaga, this movie was made for the gays. <laughs> this is Camp 101, and I can't wait. I love how uh, when I saw that the trailer was going to be out, it, I, I saw it because I, I saw just you posted something where it was like Lady Gaga just doing Father, Son, House of Gucci. Oh, Gucci. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. The trailer's really good. I don't know exactly what it's about because I don't know much of the story of them. But, man, it looks it looks pretty crazy. Uh Certainly, just out there, and uh, yeah, the, I mean, it looks visually stunning. I mean, it's a really cool time period, mm -hmm. and like you're telling me, you're gonna go Italy and like what is it, the 70s, 60s, it's the 70s, 70s, yes, yep. Italy in the 70s, yeah, give me that. That looks awesome, absolutely, it looks incredible. So, you know, it's definitely gonna be an Oscar contender for if nothing else, like costume, makeup, and gaga, you know, like it's gonna be great there. And to quote Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, like in 2014, one of the Golden Globe stuff, um, the original title of this movie was Explosion at the Wig Factory. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks great. I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me Gaga. You know, Gaga's Italian, so it's nice seeing her with her reaching out to her Italian roots and whatever. Um, so that'd be fun. Yeah. You know, Lady Gaga with a big Italian accent. Killing people or ordering? Yeah, I'm here for it. Let's do this. Yeah. Can, oh, can it premiere tomorrow, please? <laughs> We're going to have to wait on that one. But yeah, go check out those trailers. Those both look really, really good. We did get a little glimpse at Don't Look Up over the weekend. There was a little teaser there on the Olympics. Yes. You could probably find that somewhere online. I'm hoping we'll get a full trailer this week. Any thoughts on the, the quick little snippet we got at the Olympics? Oh, fantastic. Leo looks amazing. He's over the top. I love him. Jennifer Lawrence. That's another movie that should also be called Explosion of the Wig Factory. J Jennifer Lawrence with these red Party City bangs. Meryl, it took Meryl Streep 47 movies and 40 year plus career for her to finally be president. Because she's playing the president in this movie. Uh, yeah, it looks good. Jonah Hill, the cast looks fantastic. This is a SAG Award movie. And it's Adam McKay, McKay I think it's how you pronounce his name, um, who gave us Vice and The Big Short, uh, which both of those movies I love. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I'm Jennifer Lawrence and Meryl Streep, again, that, that, that movie was made for me. Yeah, it's funny because Adam McKay has done like some really – you know, he's done those movies, right? And it's a really serious thing. And, you know, they're kind of like serious but funny. But you also forget the fact that he also is the director and, and writer of Anchorman. Anchorman, yeah. Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, The Other Guys, those movies. So, like, he that's that's really his bread and butter. Yep. And then he's been doing a little bit more serious things more recently. But, 
yeah, with that comedic crazy. with that comedic flair, which I like. Because Vice, yeah, I actually laughed more at Vice than what I expected to. No, and I it's, didn't. It's just, really, it's it's so upsetting. <laughs> it's well, it's obviously it's upsetting, but I laughed at Christian Bale and Amy Adams reading Shakespeare in bed <laughs> as the vice president. Like it's a, yeah. So I like him. I'm excited. Um, it looks crazy. You know, there's a meteor coming to Earth. So sure. Yeah, check it out. That trailer. If you could find that teaser, it looks good. Hopefully, there'll be an actual trailer this week. We're going to talk about the Green Knight, but first, we're going to take a quick little break. So this weekend we saw The Green Knight. The Green Knight came out. This is the film directed by David Lowry, who has also directed things like Pete's Dragon, The Old Man and the Gun, A Ghost Story. He's actually currently directing Peter Pan and Wendy, the upcoming Disney film. Uh, so this is the film that he chose to direct after uh, The Old Man and the Gun. And I mean, it's the story of The Green Knight, of Sir Gawain, is it Gawain or Gawain? How did you, they pronounce it Gawain in the movie, but you know, I've always said Gawain. I've always said Gawain. Yeah. Same here. Okay. So if we call it Gawain, that you'll understand. Hopefully our listeners will understand too. Let the author email us when he listens to the podcast. Oh, wait, we don't know who it is and he's dead. The author anonymous from the 14th century. (laughs) The author anonymous. When he listens to the podcast, he can email us. Yeah. When he gets on that. Yeah. Good for him. (laughs) So yeah, this is based on the, uh, th- like you said, it's based on the popular Arthurian legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, uh, written for in the 14th century. Actually, the most popular version of this story is actually an interpretation done by uh, Tolkien. Interestingly, mm-hmm. he was one of the people who did the most popular and best translations of it from the Old English because he's all about that. So uh, this is the story of of. The, of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and it stars Dev Patel as Sir Gawain and it's very ambitious it is an Arthurian legend we've had a lot of Arthurian legends like in tales and stories and stuff I had to read them in high school at one point I believe uh did you have to do that um I don't think I ever read it in high school um Puerto Rico shockingly uh but I did read it in college um um you know as an English major I had to um, in like those English like courses, um, so I did read it. What's always interesting to me uh, is the fact that it's not actually a lot of these. The Arthurian legends aren't actually British; they're French. Uh, yeah, but that's that's just interesting. But they give it to us in like English literature one or English literature from this year to that year, because you know why not? Anyway, um, there's a lot of them, and uh, I've seen a lot of the movies from time to time. I've read some of the stories. Um, and this is really ambitious. David Lowry put forth a really ambitious effort to make the this Arthurian legend come to life. How successful do you think he was with this story and this character that isn't all really well known? Known, yeah. Listen, you know, out of both of us, I love that when it comes to movies, you and I are a lot of the times in um, opposite ends of the spectrum, especially emotionally, because I tend to like go on like my emotions. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you tend to pull me down. Uh, I was very happy when this movie ended. I was, I texted you. I was super excited. I Mm -hmm. was on a high, but it's a weird high because it wasn't on a high. I'm like, this movie's fantastic. It's the best movie ever made. It was, I was just so enthralled by the movie. I was just so captivated by the film. And it'd been a long, it has been a long time since I felt like that. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it's different, 
completely different. It is not what you expect. Hello, A24. Um, I think he did something very, you know, it was it's a character-driven movie. Um it, it it's it's just fantastic. I thought it was great. The direction was beautiful. The score is amazing. The technical aspects of the movie, the performances are fantastic. I was really happy. I was really, really, really happy when this movie ended. And so far, it's actually one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, I certainly agree. I mean, I think they did a, a very good job. I think David Lowry's vision of it was, like I said, ambitious. You know, he took on this this tale that has been taken on a couple times before in the past, but never really been as successful as this and, and as artsy. And I think that's one of the things. It's it's really artistic. I think, yes. you know, it's certainly an, an indie film. But I think it's it does take on this artistic feel and the scope is very big. You know, it takes on this. It's not the the height of the Arthur Arthur court. You know, it's really post the height. Yep. You know, Arthur is very old in this. Um, I actually didn't realize in the in the trailers that it was King Arthur. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, playing by Sean Harris. Uh, and he he's very old, and it's sort of at the end of Arthur's life, and him and Guinevere are very old and they're looking that like hearing tales and they're not able to really move the way that they were in the past. And Sir Gawain is, is like the, the, the young person in the, in his court. He's his, he's his nephew technically. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's something that I thought was really interesting because you see this old sort of withering kingdom and this really great vision of what, England could look like and it, one thing I was, I was thinking about while watching it I'm like this looks like crap I don't want to live there you know we have these <laughs> we have these like romanticized ideas of what uh like medieval Europe looks like and especially yeah. England because of through the through these things and like it really was probably crap like you would not want to live there it looked very cold it looked very <laughs> wet but it looked to period I think is the yeah. real is, is the thing. And I thought they did a really good job visually creating this world, creating this context, creating this, this sort of dreary community. But like it was very bright. The colors that were shown were very bright. It wasn't gray. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really key part. You know, a lot of times you can if it's if it's looking dull and depressing, it could be very gray. But there were a lot of bright colors like bright oranges like the, his, he's wearing a, a shroud and it's orange it was really bright and i thought some of those ideas were really really good and i think choosing to uh look specifically at this story is really fascinating because there's so many different levels and elements to this story and i thought were really good and the choice of obviously dev patel was brilliant i think dev patel was very very good um and i think he he brought something different to this than someone else would you know certainly you need a british actor to play it i think not necessarily you don't need need but it does certainly help when you have a british actor playing yeah. uh on one of the knights of arthur's table or, and yeah. uh yeah it was just it just really worked what do you think of dev patel's performance he's fantastic i he's grown so much in slumdog i think this is his best performance to date um i don't know if you ever saw lion i thought he was fantastic in lion he got an oscar good for that i know um, I thought he was great in Slumdog, um, which to this day, I'm surprised that he didn't get a nomination for that movie because that movie swept the Oscars and he was like the movie. Um, I think he's great. He's he has definitely become one of the best 
or starting to become one of the best actors of his generation. I think there are there in this movie he showcases so much of his range. Um, there's just something so captivating and endearing about him. He took me in the journey with him when he was down and out. That scene where he gets like um bound by the three um the three thieves um or whatever you know i was with him there um i thought it was fantastic i wish this movie would have come out later in the year because you know i always try to bring awards into it i think if this movie would have come out later in the year he would be a shoo-in for a nomination at the oscars i would love to see him in when nominations come out but i think this could be like a delroy lindell situation from last year uh, but he's definitely deserving. I think he's fantastic um, in the movie. I thought he's great. And the the final sequence of the movie, he is breathtaking. Breathtaking, yeah. for me at least. I think he's definitely, he's definitely such a great performer. And this, I think, is his, not necessarily his biggest role because he's done some, some pretty significant work in the past. Like you said, uh, Slumdog Millionaire really kicked off his film career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, He's done some other things like Lion. He was in Second Best Marigold Hotel. Uh, the Personal History of Davy Copperfield he was starring in. Um, but like I, I do think this is one of his best performances and his most challenging performances, I would say. I, oh, I, I really, I really did like him in this. I don't know if he'll get nominated. Uh, I, I don't know if the film will have enough of a hype behind it to get him nominated, but... I, I could see him being in the conversation, at least on, on the outside of the bubble, probably. But, you know, right there, uh, he definitely puts in a, a brilliant performance. And I think I think you really needed him to be this because you need a, a, someone younger yes. and uh, someone who has just a range within his performances because he, he's the character is very complex. Gawain is a very complex knight. Um, you know, he's not he's unproven. He's in this court of King Arthur yet all the other knights have tales of like valor and, and whatever, you know, you have like literally everybody has this, has a tale associated with him, but at this, at the start, he has nothing. Yep. So you, you kind of need that. And that's kind of like his career even like, you know, he doesn't have that much great accolades behind him. You know, he made some duds in there. Like, you know, say the last airbender. Uh, <laughs> What's that? What is that? Steve? Uh, that's that great M Night Shyamalan movie that you. That does not exist about. in my multiverse. That does not exist. Uh, but anyway, so he he just this is I think a really good performance for him. And what's really great about Dev Patel, I'm sure you, you you can agree, is he's been just getting better looking in the movies that he's been in. So he's, like, you look I want to I just want to like, caress his hair. <laughs> oh, he's got great hair in this movie. I want to caress his hair. I just want him to like put his head in my thigh, and I just want to play with his hair for like ten minutes. I'm happy. And a great mustache, too. Yep. Just like full-blown beard and mustache. Like really, really solid. <laughs> yeah. He was he was great. I think um, he's going to stay in the conversation for awards because I think this is a very critics awards. So I think when critic groups start coming around, I think he'll show up there. I I think this is a movie that would have be- benefited from the Golden Globes. We're not getting Golden Globes this year. Um, this is the kind of actor and performance that gets recognized by the Golden Globes. Um, young, up and coming, popular, um, up and coming in air quotes because he's been around for a while. Um, so he's not new to the game. 
Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Because I think this movie has a lot of potential in many categories at the Oscars. And I really hope it's not forgotten. I absolutely do. I think he's I think he's really good. And I hope I hope it continues. I mean, there's, there's he's not the only great performance. I think there are some other really good performances. I mean, yes. certainly Alicia Vikander and uh, Joel Egerton, I think, are, are really good. You want to talk about them a little bit? Sure. I think um, let's start with Alicia. I think this yeah. is the best she's the best she's been since Ex Machina. Um, I'm not a fan of the Danish girl. I can't believe she won an Oscar for that, but that's another conversation. Um, she plays dual roles in this movie. Um, to be fair, com- that confused me a little bit. That 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 was weird. I don't know why they decided to do that, but I liked anyway. it. Um, you know, I think it's the whole temptation kind of thing. That's for another podcast when we break down the poem <laughs> and why it's there. Uh, but I think she was fantastic because both um characters are very different from each other. Um, I loved her in both. She steals that show in like that 15, 20 minute um section of the movie that she's in with Joel Egerton. Um, I think both of them steal the movie. I think she's amazing. This is what a supporting, again, sorry, I'm talking about Oscars already with this movie a lot. This is what a supporting performance is. We've already, we've we've been groomed in the last few years, like a supporting performance is like being in the entire movie because category fraud. No, this is what a um, supporting performance is. And I think this is worthy of an Oscar nomination as well. I think she was great. Joel Egerton, I love. He steals the movie. I was not expecting what happened with them in the last scene that they're together. I'm like, whoa, this is going. And then when that, um, spoilers, when that, when he kisses Dev Patel, the previous 15 minutes made sense to me and how just in disarray that marriage is and the, the, <laughs> the grandma and all of that. I'm like, this is crazy. And it clicked for me. And I think Joel Egerton is very underrated. I think he's a phenomenal actor. I love them both. And these are what supporting performances are. I know they won't get nominated at the Oscars, but I wish they would because I thought they were great. I thought Alicia Vikander is very good. I, I, I'm i a big fan of hers. I've been following her for a little while. Uh, I, I think she's very talented. And her performance is really good. I Again, I was confused by the duality because she's playing two different characters, which mm-hmm. is... I, I didn't like that choice, personally. But... That that's just me, but I thought she did a very good job. You know, she's definitely great as the the the, the lady of the manor when they go to the the place later on. She's very good in that, very seductive in her role, trying to seduce uh, Sir Gawain. And you know, I, I thought that was really good. Uh, Joel Edgerton again is very good as well. I think he's like you said, he's very underrated. I really liked his performance. I think it's interesting actually because he was in a movie in two thousand four called King Arthur. And he plays Sir Gawain in in that movie, which is kind of funny. Is that the the movie with um the guy from like oh the Clive motorcycle Owen? show? What I have no, no. Idea what motorcycle show you're talking. No, no, no. That's that you're thinking about King Arthur Legend. The Legend Arises or something. Oh, okay, like so I'm thinking about that one. Okay, yeah, you're thinking about the one from like a couple years ago. Oh, okay. No, King Arthur. This is the one with Clive Owen. Uh, never saw that one. I never saw that. That's pretty good. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> Gotta see it then. I'll add That's it. A good one. That's a good one. It's uh, Clive Owen, Mads Mikkelsen, the dude who played Mister Fantastic in <laughs> I don't know his name uh, in in the Fantastic Four. I'm just... That guy. Uh, no, it's really good. I I enjoy that one. But anyway, Joel Edgerton is very good in this. I think he's he's 
very talented. I think he did a great job in this. It, it was welcome to see that guy as well. He, he's uh, he was really good in there. I would think like Sean Harris as the king, as King Arthur was interesting. I think his take on King Arthur was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know him from much. I mean, he's in the Mission Impossible movies, but yeah. beyond that, like, I thought it was really good as King Arthur, as like an old aging King Arthur. I thought that was really fascinating. I, I really did enjoy that. I th- I also think um, Guinevere, the actress who played Guinevere, um, she was really good. She's she speaks like in two scenes, but I think she she's really good. That scene where she reads the parchment um, when the Green Knight comes, I think she's really. If you've seen her before, she is Catelyn Stark's sister in the first and second season of Game of Thrones. Um, she's the one oh, that okay. Littlefinger pushes through the moon door. The one that would breastfeed the kid, and he was like thirteen. Yeah, okay. I got you. Uh, that's her. Um, I thought, yeah, I think those were really interesting takes on King Arthur and um Guinevere, which you said earlier. Um, but I enjoyed them. I think I think they were good. I think they were they were it fit with how different and weird the story was being told. I think that's gonna lead about to the right thing. Like plot wise, it's it's very legend based. Okay. It's a hero's journey. You know, which is a classic story. It's the classic story that you can tell. The protagonist facing challenges along the way. How invested were you in this in this journey? And like, you know, were there parts that you particularly liked of his journey, or you didn't like, or didn't make sense? What What did you think of it? I I enjoyed everything. Um, when you see me, I'm always when you see me like move forward in a theater seat. That's when you know I'm really um, invested in the movie. And there were many scenes that I just like whoop moved forward. Um, yeah, I was with the Patel the entire movie. I thought it worked. I thought it was weird. I liked the way it was structured. Every time like a title card title, the, the font would come and we'd get a different story. Um, you know, like the lady with the head. Um, obviously in the palace with Vikander and, and Egerton, I know one of the most controversial, controversial quote unquote scenes, um, or like out of place scenes, I think maybe for you, I think you mentioned it before was like the giants, but I still enjoyed that scene a lot. I think the beginning is really cool. Um, I was in it. I was really in it because it was just so different. I was so different. One of my favorite characters is the fox. <laughs> I love yeah. the fox. I kept showing up. Um, but I was there. There wasn't a scene that really took me out of it. I think for me, at least everything fit and it was weird. And and it was just this weird journey for this character. And I was there and I liked it. I definitely liked the idea of the journey and some of the different challenges that he's facing. They were really unique challenges, you know. Uh, I think it was a act of kindness was one of them. Um, that was the one where he gets ca- sort of captured by the people and he's tied up. And, you know, I really enjoyed that. And I thought the story of him coming upon the, the woman in the, in the, what is it, a visit with St. Winifred, I think is the, the, the title card for that one where he visits the, the woman, the, the sort of spirit, I guess is what they call it, uh, or specter or something like that in mm-hmm. the, in the house i thought it was really cool and like really visually fascinating mm-hmm. my only issue with them is they weren't really connected and they didn't seem to make sense there was no resolution to those stories okay i enjoyed them i really did and it really i guess one of the things is it's they're they're very much legend and lore type stories 
which work really well in, in books. Like, you know, you have these stories that are not connected and they're just kind of like almost episodic and there's no real resolution to it. And sort yeah. of the legend of a lot of Arthur's tales where they come upon something and something happens. But I wanted some sort of resolution to at least an act of kindness, you know, when he gets you know tied up, I, I kind of wanted more resolution to that. And I didn't, I didn't get it. And there was a little bit of, I just felt like there could have been a little bit more exposition and a little bit more of telling you stuff. The dialogue is very short in this. Oh yeah. It's about is. two, the movie's about two hours long, but apparently uh, I was listening to an interview with the, the director and the script's only 88 pages, which is significantly less than what you would expect for a, a movie that is two hours long. Yeah. Um, so. And especially for this type of um, Arthurian movie, because they're very, they tend to be very dialogue heavy. Yeah. And there was just parts where I just thought there could have been a little bit more exposition. Um, even in the, in the castle in the, towards the end in that, in that whole scene with, uh, you know, the, the Lord and, and lady of the, of the castle there later on, I thought there should have been a little bit more dialogue there. There, the scene was sort of cut short in my mind. I think there could have been a little bit more and I just didn't, I, I wanted a little bit more of it. I, I liked the story so much that I wanted to be in it more and have a little bit more connectiveness. And I didn't feel like there was enough of that. Now yeah. I could see why that works, but I could also see why it didn't work for me necessarily. Did you ever see um, Moonlight? No. You haven't seen Moonlight. So Moonlight, I, I, would like to hear your take on Moonlight if you ever see it because it's structured similarly. Granted, you could say there's more um, connection because it is the story of one character throughout, but it's three. It's basically three short stories in the movie. That's what Moonlight is. It's yeah. structured in like three acts, but very like literally like card act one, act two, act three. Um, and a lot, I remember a lot of people, although it was obviously critically placed and won the Oscar, but a lot of people were like having issues where the issues came were from that. They wish there were more, more connectivity. So what you're saying kind of reminds me of, of Moonlight a little bit, cause I can see what you're saying for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not even that there are different stories within it. Like I like some movies that have different stories, like, uh, Chunking Express is a great example. It's a one car Y film that it's like two different stories, completely mm -hmm. different within the movie halfway through it changes, but like, it just the, there was like a scene like where, you know, in in in, a, in an act of kindness, he loses the axe, and then in the next, at the end of the next scene, he kind of gets it back, but they don't explain where it kind of comes from. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. I kind of wanted like some sort of tell me connectedness. Yeah, a little okay. more. I just wanted more story because I really liked it. I really liked this movie, but I wanted more of it. Okay, I think that was the problem there. That's fair. I mean, one of the things too is like it's so. It's so appealing because I think visually the world is so stunning and impressive that I just, I wanted more. I, I, I want more. I want, I would love it if like, if they made prequels with the other stories and like had more of the Arthurian legends in here as well in the same world, because I think David Lowry did a great job of creating this world. And I think that's one of the things I kind of want. Would you be interested in that? I would. Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I, I wouldn't mind it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I think, that, like you said, this 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 world is beautiful. Um, you know, even the giants look, quote unquote, as real as you can. They're giants. Um, but the movie just looks, it's just so beautiful. 
I think that's it's just a simple word, but that's it. It's just beautiful. You get so wrapped up. The Green Knight, oh, he's gorgeous. I wanted like a life-size action of that, but like mold, like statue of him in my apartment because he looks just so good. What I think is great too is they definitely use practical effects on that. Like that's oh, a real, that's a real costume, real thing, and I think that that's it. it shows. I think yeah. most of it is practical. They try to do a lot of practical effects, mm-hmm. and I think it, it works really, really well. You could tell it's practical. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what's really great. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah, it's 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 what he did is just visually stunning. This is up there with movies like Avatar, Life of Pi, that regardless of what you think of the story or the movie, you can't deny that they're just beautiful. Um, and I think this is one of those movies. Blade Runner 2049, Mad Max. This is one of those movies that just stands up against those movies and just creating this world and making you feel like it's real. Um, even with giants that you can get on their shoulders and they'll take you anywhere. You know, that that's how good the movie looks and that's how beautiful the movie looks. It's interesting too, because he decided to change some of the story. Like the story, he added a couple other elements from different translations as well. You know, certainly some of the things on the journey itself are changed, but even the situation in the, in the, the ending, uh, it was different. Uh, I think the, the ending is quite different because in the, in the movie, it kind of leaves you on like a, well, I don't want to spoil it. Should I spoil it? I mean, if you click play, you know you're gonna. We're talking about a movie. Well, I'll just say the the ending in the book is or the story is is different from the ending in the movie. Um, although I think it works really well for the this movie. I think, you know, had it ended the way the the story ends, I don't think it would have been as successful. It would have been left it sort of open ended. But I think this does have, have much more of a conclusion. I I really do kind of like this the narrative structure in it. And I enjoyed some of the elements of the story um, that were different. I think it makes for a little bit more of a modern retelling of the story as mm-hmm. opposed to a very 14th century version of the story. I think it just works a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I, I just really, I really enjoyed it. I I don't know what it is. I just really found something fascinating yeah. about Arthurian well, I think legend. The ending I've is interested, yeah. You know what I thought about the ending um, when I was driving home after seeing it? The ending gave me, or not gave me vibes, but made me think of, oh my God, Arrival. And that ending of that, we, we, we when we get to see what could have been yeah, and, and we find out what's going on in Arrival, that's what this gave me. It brought me back to that. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then suddenly like off with his head. And then we go back and you see what's really happening. And you're like, Oh wow! This yeah, I'm good. I'm glad it ended that way. Uh, I thought it was looking like it was going to end a different way, and I was going to be very confused. But I think it ended correctly. I think it it did have a very good ending. Um, I think it just worked. I think it worked well, and it's all you know that ending. Um, a lot of people are calling that ending very ambiguous and open. I don't think so. I think ambiguous. I think we know exactly. I mean, the Green Knight tells him literally. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he they, says, they, like, they, okay, says good for you. Now you're not like, okay, now off with your head. So, you know, we know what's going to happen. Um, but in the end, it's all about honor. He saw that what could have been if he didn't have honor. And I, I just thought it was so good. You know, we see all everything, all his life until the moment he dies. And then suddenly, boom, it's, it's so good. It's so good and yeah. so unexpected. I, I genuinely, I, I liked it a lot. Um, and I think the story is really interesting. It, it made me want to actually pick up and buy 
the, the Green Knight. I wanted. I was thinking about. <laughs> I was thinking about picking it up and reading the story itself because it's just a fascinating story. Or just reading some other Arthurian legends. They're really interesting. There's so many. We're, there, are, there are a bunch, and there's a bunch of movies about King Arthur as well. Did you have? Do you have like any favorites of the King Arthur movies or stories? Um, movies, particular of the movies. Um, well, this one just took my number one spot, but my now my number two spot, which was my first number, my, which was my number one spot. I mean, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is forever That's the best one. <laughs> that is such a good movie. <laughs> that is probably the best one. It's just so good. That's, you know, it was done. What That's what? That's the 70s, right? Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I think that's the that 70s. Might be, that might be even earlier. I, I, mean, I, gotta, I, I I'm not 100% sure. That might be even earlier. But okay, yeah. So, so I think it's I think it's 70s. Um, You know, it, it's it, that was a huge, huge creative take for the 70s on Unearthed and Legend. Um, and I loved it. Um, it's my number two, I think. Um, oh my God, Excalibur is also really fun. Oh man, that movie's crazy. Yeah, I that is a crazy that, movie. I remember seeing that a couple times. And like that movie is just like, it gets like bizarre. In the yeah, movie. but that is that is like definitely one of the iconic ones of the of of the you know Arthurian legends. Oh, absolutely! Isn't that with like certainly. Like Liam Neeson is in that movie, and Patrick Stewart, I think. Patrick Stewart's in, in it for a hot second. Helen yeah. Mirren is Morgana. Oh, Helen that's Mirren is nuts. Morgana. Yeah, very young yes. Helen Mirren. Oh yeah, because yeah, that's like that's that crazy. That's like mid or early that's, or that's mid eight, 80s? That's early eighties. Early eighties. Yeah. So I would say those two. I would say this one is my favorite right now. Monty Python number two and Excalibur would be my 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 other my third one. I mean, I don't have a definitive ranking. I just know that there's a few that I, I certainly really liked. I, I mean, obviously the the ones you mentioned, but I really like 2004's King Arthur. I, I like that movie. Is that uh, the one with um Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, her, the yeah, girl, Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Yeah, that's what yeah. I say. So it's it's the one with Clive Owen, Kira Knightley is in it. Okay. Uh, I I really enjoy that one. Uh, I also enjoy some of the other weird takes on them, <laughs> like. Uh, you know, I I liked actually the modern one, like King Arthur: Legend of the Sword, the one that is directed by, um, directed by Guy Ritchie. I I enjoy that one. Never saw that one. I'm one of the few that really enjoyed it. I just like Guy Ritchie as well, and so I, I like I like that movie. Uh, I also you know like some of the the sort of adjacent ones like Black Knight or A Kid in King Arthur's Court. Didn't Sean Connery one? do one at one point? Oh my gosh, John Connor. Yeah, he's done. A, he's done. I think Sean Connery did one them, at I one think. point. Yeah, I think yeah, Sean Connery yeah. is Arthur at one point in his career. That would not surprise me at all because he's. That just makes sense. I like the animated one, The Sword and the did. Stone. Yeah, his was his was First Night. Was I think the the movie that he was in? Oh, First I think Night. He was uh, also in a. I was when I was doing some of the research. I think he was also in a Green Knight adaptation as well. I don't think he was Sir Gawain, but like uh, or Gawain or whatever we're calling it, but he was in one of them, I believe. I don't remember which one it was, though. So the Guy Ritchie one is the one with the guy from the motorcycle show that I told you about, right? Yes, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam, thank you. Um, yes. Yes, 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 yes. What was that show? I forgot that show that he was on the Sons motorcycle show. Sons of Anarchy, yes. Okay, I never, I've, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, me either. <laughs> um, I just know that he's in that. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah. But there've been so. I mean, I think it's. Um, I think it's one of those. It's those stories that they're very hard to tell. They're very hard to tell. Well, they're very hard to tell. Well, they could very fall. They could very easily fall into you know just a sword fighting movie for two hours. Um, and I think that 
this movie showed that they could be something else. We oh, don't I need. Don't... Yeah, I definitely know, agree with you. We don't need a um, two hours of I don't know arrows and bows and swords fighting and burning everything to the ground. It could be something different and it works. And I think he did a fantastic job. And I'm glad that a studio like A24, of course, A24, I mean, they're coming out with the movie, your most anticipated movie, Lamb. Um, I love that A24 takes risks and does something different and allows their artists to do something different. And this was that. And I'm really happy it exists because I loved it. Well, that's what I think is is really interesting. I mean, this is certainly a, a very true adaptation of the story. And I think it's, these stories have a lot of, deeper context to them like the story is about honor it's about temptation it's about mm -hmm. so much that i think these other stories are really like about too i mean if you look at the stories of uh say percival or lancelot you know i think there's a lot of really interesting deeper context stories that are hidden in these in these tales and i think that in the past they've been just like oh we want to get back to like a sort of legendary tale of king arthur and and they've done they've done some good efforts i mean i, I again like i i really do like excalibur i think excalibur does sort of explore some of those sort of themes but there's a lot of there for modern directors and modern writers to, to really work on i think that could be really interesting to step forward and do that so i think yeah this movie definitely shows the potential that there is for these in in the modern cinema i think that this is something that people could really see and, and find very visually stunning and, and really great storytelling i would love and again sorry bringing oscars into it i know this movie came out super early i don't see it happening but i think this is the kind of artistic um risk and like artsy film that sometimes the director's branch go for and i would not be mad if by some miracle laurie gets nominated for director for this because i really do think he did a really good job at it and I think it's creative, it's innovative, it's different. Um, I would love to see that as well. I think he did a really, really good job directing this. Probably not going to happen, but it, this is, I could tell you now, this is one of the movies that I'll probably be champion and mentioning throughout the next six months until Oscar nominations for sure. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with you. I, I definitely really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know that it'll get in just because of the competition that's coming out later. Oh yeah, this year. absolutely. You know, yeah. all the big names are coming out, and I, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tight coming out. But I, I certainly enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really well done. Uh, after talking about it, I'm probably gonna have to update my review on <laughs> on Letterbox. <laughs> I gave it, I think, initially a, a three and a half because I was talking about like how much I was really distracted by some of the the plot differences. Okay. But you know, in in the in talking about it now, I might have to up it up it back to a four. So it was well, really really well done. I well, genuinely enjoyed it. Thought oh, it was absolutely. very very well done. And and you know, for for closing thoughts, um, for for you know, my my closing thought on it is that I I'm glad this movie exists because in a world where Marvel, um, Star Wars, and the recognizable IPs control everything, it's nice to see a studio give us something different something artistic something risky um and not pay so much attention to like oh it flopped or it didn't flop or it made a hundred million dollars or it didn't because this is actually a really really good good movie and change of pace and i'm excited that it's out there i am telling a lot of people to see it it's different um i walked out yesterday and most of the theater was not happy with the movie um and i heard one guy say Oh, there was no, there was not one battle in it. Um, so you can tell that people were walking into thinking it was this medieval 
battle film for two hours. And that's not what it is at all. It is a character study um, of this guy going on a journey and it's beautiful and I'm happy this is out there. And I loved it. And please go watch it. Yeah, definitely recommend it. I would definitely recommend it. See it in the theaters. It was really good. Really, really solid. I I found it just enthralling. I mean, it is a character study and it's great. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's great. That's it. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) Next week will be uh, probably a day late. Uh, We'll probably come out with our our pod on on Wednesday uh, of next week. So we'll be one day late with that. So stay tuned for that. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.